If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. BC's Mental Health and Addiction Minister Jennifer Whiteside says ending the province's three-year drug decriminalization project won't save a single life as the overdose death toll continues to rise in our province. Ms. Whiteside made the statement as the one-year anniversary of the start uh, of the uh, project. The goal, of course, is to reduce shame and make addicted people more comfortable reaching out for help. Now, on January 31st last year, Health Canada issued BCA three-year exemption under the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, allowing adult drug users to carry up to two and a half grams of opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine, and ecstasy for personal use. Uh, the exemption came amid an overdose crisis that has claimed almost 14,000 lives in BC since a public health emergency was declared in April of 2016. Uh, last year alone, uh, 2,500, over 2,500 people died in our province. Now, this conversation uh, is occurring just as another conversation is occurring in Oregon. Uh, yesterday, we had a segment on recriminalization where people have been concerned that uh, they are not seeing uh, some of the things that were promised under uh, Oregon's drug decriminalization uh, program. Oregon paved the way, of course, for, as the first state to decri- decriminalize drug use. They uh, passed Measure 110 in 2020. Uh, some have said that the, after three years of this law, they've not the law itself has not delivered on the promise the, that the voters thought they were getting. Uh, today, the governor of Oregon has declared an emergency in the city of Portland. So the conversation around drug decriminalization is an ongoing one. Here's a report from CBS reporter Adam Yamaguchi on uh, the Oregon governor, Tina Kotick, declaring a state of emergency today. The state, the county and city declare a fentanyl state of emergency. The state of Oregon appears to be taking a new approach in addressing the opioid crisis plaguing its largest city. The 90-day emergency order for fentanyl use issued by the governor establishes a command center and more coordination between emergency management and health services. However, it does not include additional funding. The goal is to give the city's residents a chance against the extremely addictive opioid. It is a drug that compels users to redose every 45 to 90 minutes. People in the throes of a fentanyl addiction can hardly walk into a clinic without having to use again. Everyone has Narcan? Oregon paved the way as the first state to decriminalize drug use, passing Measure 110 in 2020. Instead of incarcerating addicts, it focuses on addiction recovery. You're going to call one of these numbers? We were with Portland police last year as they handed out citations to fentanyl users in the street. My full-time job is fentanyl, and basically all roads lead to fentanyl in downtown Portland. But in the years since Measure 110 was passed, overdose deaths have continued to rise, prompting local leaders to call for more than just the emergency order, but the recriminalization of drug use. We've had three years of this law that has not delivered on the promise that voters thought they were getting. Ebony Brawley doesn't want to see Oregon's law repealed. The Portland resident says it helped her avoid prison and turn her life around. Because of Measure 110, I was able to change my story and break those chains, you know, and provide a life for myself and for my daughter that she probably wouldn't have had otherwise. For CBS Mornings, I'm Adam Yamaguchi. 
Well, joining me now to talk about uh, the program here in British Columbia is Kennedy Stewart, former mayor of Vancouver and current director of the Centre for Public Policy Research at Simon Fraser University and author of Decrim, How We Decriminalize Drugs in British Columbia. Mr. Stewart, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, a very interesting topic, especially uh, on, on this day, on this one-year anniversary. Let me just talk about, uh, touch a little bit on the broader issue. How would you describe this past year in regards to what has transpired in British Columbia? What's your idea of success? Well, it's been a complete disaster, as have all previous years where we've had record numbers of uh, toxic drug deaths. Um, I don't know what else to say. The families that have lost loved ones, the folks that have from people who have died or from folks that have overdosed and had traumatic brain injury. And we see it from the coroner uh, who seems to be yelling into the wind about the the threats to our community and just the devastation this is is reaping. And, And I think what's especially troubling is that it's the number one killer of young people in our our province is is toxic drugs. How do you uh, gauge success for this drug decriminalization program? We're into year one is over. We have two more years to go at this point. What's the measure of success? Yeah, so for me, I mean, like, the two things seem to be conflated. First of all, if I look at the toxic drug deaths of the coroner reports, you Mm -hmm. know, and when I was mayor, I would get a an email in my inbox every Monday that told me how many people died in the city. Um, I would think the overall thing we have to focus on is is to reduce the number of deaths per day in British Columbia. We've got seven, about seven people dying per day in the province, um, and we need some kind of strategy that moves that down to five, four, three, two, and then and then to none. But none of those have ever, have emerged yet. Um, so that's going to take a whole bunch of things, um, and decriminalization as I've said many, many times, it's just a very small part. It, um, you have to remember that the police asked for this. In 2019, the National Association of Police Chiefs said we should decriminalize drugs because arresting people with substance use disorder isn't doing anything for them at all. Putting them in jail isn't, isn't getting them on a road to recovery. And, you know, arresting young people that are just trying drugs for the first time if you want to know how tough that is, uh, just ask people that were arrested for cannabis possession and had many, many years of their lives where they couldn't cross the border in the U.S., they couldn't get jobs, it's on permanent record. So, you know, I agree with the police that criminalizing uh, drug use and the possession of small amounts is is not the way to go. And now, I brought, we just played that story of Oregon, and we and we had a segment on this yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. That's a liberal state. They led the way in the United States, and there seems to be a change in opinion there that while they don't want to walk away completely from drug decriminalization, they certainly don't feel after three years it has worked. Uh, do you worry that we're going, we're, we're going to reach the same conclusion in this province because Oregon will play a role? We looked at Oregon as one of the guides in regards to the direction we should go, and they're saying, look, it's not working. It hasn't delivered what we thought it was going to deliver. Do you worry that that conversation, uh, you know, seeping into British Columbia, it's already here, one would argue as well, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that, that there's, a, there's only so much the public will accept, the public opinion will uh, move against drug decriminalization? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're kind of living in a in a climate of fear these days, and politicians on all sides are ramping up fear to scare the population, uh, and they're kind of grasping at at uh, really any issue they can grab. You know, whether it's 
housing or uh, drugs. And, you know, the, the focus from, from the political, uh, political side of, of trying to ramp up the fear rather than using good research and, you know, policy analysis to figure out how to reduce the death rate is uh, we've moved so far away from that. It's just really hard to have a conversation mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's fact-based. So, you know, when I was mayor, I just followed the advice of the chief of police and uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry and other health advisors who were saying decriminalization, it's not a silver bullet. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to drop your uh, toxic death rate from seven people a day to zero, but it will uh, help people get into a more a health-based stream of, of addressing their problems. But mm-hmm. But like, so people who say they're against decriminalization are, are guests for criminalization, which means that if you catch somebody with any amount of illicit drug, you should arrest them, charge them, put them to the court system and put them in jail, which doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense either. So that's the kind of side that we're not really discussing. What does it mean to uh, recriminalize drug behavior? That's what it means. And then the police will be swamped with... Um, you know, there's in the corner says there's about 250,000 people in this province who are drug users. So what do the police do? Arrest 250,000 people and put them in jail? Like, it just seems that we're not really thinking this through in a logical way. And it's because it's so emotional, right? But, it's, there's the fear and there's the death, which makes it hard to talk about. Do you think it would have been easier to sell if we had more treatment centers and perhaps focused a little bit more on enforcement, or at least focusing on some more, you know, at least more accountability, number one, and of course the enforcement, or enforcement side more resources for treatment, and then the public would be coming along when it comes to drug decriminalization as well. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, now everybody's pointing to saying, well, it's just more treatment that's needed to, to, to quote-unquote, kind of fix this problem. But, like, again, if you think of the young people that are dying of fentanyl, they don't need treatment because they're not, um, you know, addicted to drugs. They're just going to a party and trying it for the first time or second time or something, and and the drugs are toxic and they're dying. So there's no amount of treatment. Like you're not going to send them to a, a supervised consumption site. You're not going to send them to any kind of treatment center because they're not long-time drug users. So I mean, there, there's it really. You have to really go and talk to the person that you look at the people that are being affected by this and overdosing and dying, and think. You know, think of them. What what do we need to help them? And I can tell you, what won't help is arresting them and putting them in jail. That's not going to do anything. So, um, and I think all your healthcare and law enforcement professionals will basically agree with this. Um, You know, so. Uh, Kennedy, thank you so much for your time. Look yeah. forward to chatting with you again. I know it's a very complex issue and, as you say, very polarizing as well, but we, we've got to keep talking about it, that's for sure. Thank you so much for your time okay. today. Thank you. 